In verse uh, 11 of John 17, it says, And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are one. So Jesus is praying for those disciples and his followers that had followed him during his earthly ministry, <laughs> and he's talking to the Father. He said, now, I'm no more in the world. Of course, he's getting ready to be crucified, die, and so forth, be uh, restored back to his place in heaven at the right hand of the Father. And so his prayer was to keep them through thine own name that you have given to me, and that they may be one as we are one. So he wanted them to be preserved. He wanted them to stay on course. And he wanted them to be one as we are one. Which is a powerful uh, prayer that Jesus prayed. And the only way that that would be completely done was through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. So we're going to go to John 17, verse 21. Verse 21, it says, And they, that they all may be one, that thou, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. So he's praying again that they would be one. Well, his prayer there is referring to everyone that would hear the gospel through their word. So he expanded beyond uh, his present disciples to those whoever would hear the gospel from generation to generation. And now he's really praying for the whole body of Christ. And so he's praying that we would be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee. Now, God, the Father, and the Son are one. How many believe that today? Glory to God. Well, he's praying that we would be one in the same way. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that thou hast sent me. That they would be one in us. The Father in, in Christ, Jesus in the Father, one together. That they also may be one in us. So then there is a spiritual union between Jesus and the Father, but through the death and resurrection of Christ, God has produced a spiritual union with us and Christ. And we will, we've looked at that some. We've taught uh, many lessons now on who we are in Christ and talked about uh, the phrase in Christ, uh, uh, the in Christ phrase, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away, and all things have become new, and all things are of God. So when you get born again, you get in Christ, and old things pass away spiritually, and all things spiritually are made new. So in your spirit, you are a new creation in Christ. Other translations say, in union with Christ. So there is a spiritual union that has been formed between your spirit and Christ's spirit. Uh, actually, 1 Corinthians uh, 6.17 says it this way, He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. So we are joined spiritually to the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are one spirit with Christ. 
So our spirit has been uh, made alive in Christ. You have been born again. Your spirit has received eternal life, and you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen? So as one who is in Christ, and other uh, translations say, in union with Christ. So there is a spiritual union, and many translations translate it that way. You are in union with Christ, and you're a new creation in Christ. All right, so then in this verse, he's praying that they would be one with one another and one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. So then we actually become a picture of the body of Christ, and we are referred to in Scripture over and over again in the New Testament as the body of Christ. We just prayed uh, a prayer there in Ephesians chapter 1 at the end of that prayer uh, that uh, we would be filled with Jesus. The body would be filled with Jesus. And so then when you get born again, you get filled with Jesus. You get filled spiritually with Christ. Uh, Colossians 1, 27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So you get filled with Jesus. And that gives you hope of the glory of God here and the glory of God eternally. So again, in this verse, we're going to try to look at it a little bit more. So then believing comes from sometimes in the world from seeing something. In other words, they believe. Jesus said, believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me, or else believe me for my work's sake. In other words, sometimes people need something visible that they can see in order to believe that Jesus is real and that God loves people and that God has a plan for their life. Well, when they see Jesus in us and they see the demonstrations of God through us, then they sometimes believe as a result. Of course, we want to point them to the Bible, point them to the Word of God, and say, this is what you need to believe. Believe what? Believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. Believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. And believe in your heart and confess Him as Lord with your mouth, and you'll be saved. Salvation comes through Jesus Christ. Amen? So then... In verse 22, it says, And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. The glory that I have, have that you've given to me, I've given to them. So God not only, uh, you know, when his uh, life comes into us, something comes in called glory. I just quoted a verse of Scripture. The glory of God is God's abiding presence. And so God's abiding presence comes on the inside of you. Christ lives in you. He's not outside of you, although he's everywhere. He's living in you, and you're in union with him, and his glory is resident in you. The glory of God, the presence of God is in you. So I said, he said that they may be one as we are one. I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. 
that you have loved them as thou hast loved me. That God loved us like he loved Jesus. Well, of course, the proof of that is that he sent his son. For God so what? Loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life, eternal life. So then believing on Jesus gives you eternal life. Eternal life is a present actual possession of the believer. In other words, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. So when you believe on the Son of God, you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you have everlasting life. It's not just something you get when you go to heaven. It's something you get when you're born again. And it's something that causes you to go to heaven when, you, when Jesus comes or when you die. So heaven is waiting for those who have received eternal life because they have received the Lord Jesus Christ. So eternal life here and eternal life there. Just a greater dimension of God's life. Actually, W. Vine says the life of God, the life of Christ, he says it's life as God has it, life in the absolute sense, life as a principle, as a spiritual law. But in his defining this life of God, he said, when uh, you die or when Jesus comes, actually when Jesus comes, it extends its domain to the sphere of the body. In other words, the life of God that's in your spirit just quickens your body in such a way that you get a brand new body, a glorified body like unto Jesus' glorified body, and you have God's life in every part fully Hallelujah. And so you can actually function in heaven. Hallelujah. Praise God. You can't function in that body that you have in heaven, but you can function in a new body. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, so I'm going to take you now to 1 John. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 9. 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to look at verse 9. Verse 9 says, In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Or have life through him. Because he lives, we also live. Because he lives, we have life also. So God's life is in us as a result. Not only did Jesus manifest with this kind of life. In other words, he came into the world with the life of God. He came in him was life. And the life was the light of men. In John chapter 1. Jesus came into this world with this life, and he lived his life with this life of God. But then in John 10, 10, it says, The thief cometh not 
but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So Jesus came that we might have this life, the life of God on the inside of us, and that we would have his very own life and nature within. So that life that was in him now is in us. Are you with me? But also, he said, the love that is in him would be in us. He also said the glory that was in him would be in us. In each of those cases, the verses that we've looked at, he said that same glory would be in us, that same life would be in us, and same love would be in us. In other words, you're born of God, and God is love, and if you're born of God and God is love, then you're born of love, and God's love dwells on the inside of you. Are you with me? So it's in your spirit. What's in your spirit can be de- uh, uh, demonstrated on the outside. What's on the inside can be demonstrated on the outside. So let's go now to John 15, and we're going to go to verse 4. In John 15 and verse 4, Jesus said, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. So as a believer, you can bear fruit. Without him, he also says, without him, we can do nothing. So with Christ and in Christ, because we're abiding in him, living in him, praise God. Now he's talking to every believer, isn't he? If you abide in me and I abide in you, the same will bring forth much fruit. All right, so as a believer, you have this life on the inside. And in Galatians chapter 5, it tells you some of the fruit that you can bear as a result of being in Christ. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, meekness, temperance, and faith. So then God's Life is on the inside of you, and Christ is living on the inside of you, so you can bear the fruit of the Spirit. Now, that's a developed thing. It's not something that is all automatic. In other words, you grow. You develop in it. So you have the love of God in you. What's on the inside can come out of you. You have the peace of God in you. What's in you can come out of you. Amen? The joy that's in you can come out of you. It can be expressed. Praise the Lord, the, the temperance and the long-suffering and, and patience and goodness and kindness. And it's all fruit that comes out of this recreated, born-again spirit that has the life of God in him or her. So you have God's life in you that enables you to bear fruit. So he said, if you abide in me and I in you, the same brings forth much fruit. One translation regarding uh, Galatians there It's uh, actually one translation, hallelujah, said, if you abide in me and I in you, the same brings forth much fruit. You can, I lost my thought there for a moment, that translation, we'll let that go, we'll go on. All right, so you can bear this fruit. 
the fruit of the Spirit. Everybody say the fruit of the Spirit. Now, it's your spirit that was born again. Your spirit that was recreated. Your spirit that received eternal life. So you can bear the fruit of this recreated spirit. Now then, I'm going to get back to this. It says in uh, John here, he says that if you abide in me and I in you, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. All right, so then the other translation I was uh, thinking of, it says maintain a living communion with me. So then we can have relationship with God by the new birth being born again, and we can have communion with God or fellowship with God as we spend time in the Word of God, spend time uh, worshiping God, praying in the Holy Spirit, we can have a communion or a fellowship with God. So then you need both. You need to have first a relationship with God because you're saved, you're born again, you have eternal life, but you need communion with God on an ongoing basis so that you can bear fruit. It's kind of like this. If your uh, plant is going to grow, uh, Minister Ty used the plant uh, regarding her her message on Sunday night. She's teaching tonight uh, just recently. And, uh, you know, if you want a plant to grow, you got to water it. It's a necessity. It has to have water. So then the Word of God, it says, by the washing of the water of the Word. So the Word of God is referred to watering. So sometimes people receive the word, but they don't uh, water, maintain the watering process. In other words, you plant a, a, a plant, and uh, you want it to grow and to be fruitful and productive, but if you uh, quit watering it, unless you have some natural rain that's constant, pretty, pretty uh, frequent, you know, in Las Vegas, it's not going to happen, so uh, I would encourage you to water whatever you plant. Right? If you plant a tree in your yard, you're not going to have a tree very long if you don't water it. So then watering is necessary. So the watering of the word. So uh, in the beginning, Paul planted, but Apollos came along and he watered. So in other words, you got to plant the word and then you got to water the word. And it may be the same word. In other words, you... Uh, meditate on who you are in Christ, you meditate on healing, you meditate uh, on joy, or you meditate on strength, or you meditate on any different aspect of the Word of God. When you're meditating on that Scripture, you're watering the Word, perhaps, that you've already sown in your heart, but it needs to be watered. Why? Because you want to actually experience it in life. It's, uh, it's like food. If you don't eat, you don't survive. You don't thrive. It's like water. If you don't drink it, you're not going to live. you got to have water. And so, uh, if you praise the Lord. If you're going on a trip, need some water. Take some water with you. All right, so be, be prepared to drink the water of God. So, in this case... Uh, we could consider Jesus said to the woman at the well, he said, anyone who drinks this water that I give, it will be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So you have this everlasting life on the inside and you can drink it. Praise the Lord. 
Well, then Jesus also said in John 7, he said, out of, if when you receive the Holy Spirit, that out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. So watering is part of Christianity. The water of the Word, the water of the Holy Spirit, the water of your own spirit that's born again. It's just something that you have to maintain in order to grow. So if you maintain communion and fellowship with God, then you pray in the Holy Spirit, you water the Word, you continue in the Word, you continue in uh, praying, and you continue in fellowship with Jesus, then you're in fellowship with the Father, then you're going to grow and you're going to produce fruit. Are you with me? All right, so what kind of fruit? Well... We just said love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, meekness, temperance, faith. All right. Some translations say faithfulness. So it takes faith to be faithful. So then you can produce the fruit of the Spirit. Well, there's other fruit, of course, that you could bear as well. You could get somebody saved. But usually you're utilizing some of that fruit of the Spirit to get people saved. Love would be a key ingredient because you love them, then you're going to tell them about Jesus. You love people, so you're going to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're going to share his love with them and how much he loves them. And when you tell them how much he loves them, he says that that's a demonstration. Come on, you're part of the body of Christ. That's a demonstration. Go into all the world and what? Preach the gospel to every creature. That means every, all creation, every person. Doesn't mean to the frogs and the lizards. Amen. To the cows, to the horses. You might love your horses, you might love your cows, you might love your dog, but you can't preach the gospel to them. I mean, you can practice if you want, but he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel of Christ. Preach the gospel. Share the gospel. Preach simply means to proclaim. You don't have to be ordained to preach the gospel. You don't have to be a pastor to preach the gospel. No, he's talking to believers there. He said, you believers go into all the world and preach the gospel. Amen? All right, so let's uh, get back to this here in verse 8. Verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. So in other words, you are following Jesus. You're being a disciple of Jesus. So if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you're going to continue in the word. It's not just something that you get saved and that's it. That's the end. You know, when you get somebody saved or pray with somebody to be born again, uh, you might not ever see them again because you don't have a personal contact with them. But God knows them and God can by his grace, get them into a good place or church or a place that they can be fed and minister to. We trust the Holy Spirit to do that. And you should pray that way for them. But if you can, you want to if, stay in contact with those people and you want to help make a disciple. See, there are two commissions that Jesus gave right before his ascension. In other words, he's died, he's buried, he's raised again, and he's showing himself to his uh, disciples, some of his disciples, and he's preaching to them. He's saying to them, 
verse in Mark 16, he said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. These signs shall follow those that believe in my name. He goes on and tells you the signs that will follow believers. Then the other commission he gave was in Matthew 28. He said that you are to go and teach all nations. Other translation says, said this way, go and make disciples. Go and teach them and make disciples of them. So a disciple is not one that just got saved, but one that continues in their walk with Jesus. They're being discipled. So your goal is to not only get them saved by preaching the gospel and praying with them, but your goal would be to help make a disciple out of them. Trust that God will help them and you can help them to get in church and help them to get in the Word and uh, follow the Lord and maybe uh, get into a membership class uh, and become a part of the local church. You know, it's something that you want to uh, promote. You don't want to just leave them there. Are you with me? It's like having a baby and leaving it. You know, they're a babe in Christ. As newborn babes, what does the scripture say? Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So then, in order for them to grow spiritually, they need to continue in the word. And in that case, it calls it milk. As a babe. So as a babe, they need the word of God to be able to grow and then become fruitful. Praise the Lord. All right, so then he says, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, we'll tie that in to John 17. And what did Jesus say? He said, as the Father, God loves me, he loves you. He has loved you in the same way that he has loved me. In 1 John, we saw the manifestation of that love was that he sent his son into the world to die so that we could have life. Right? So the manifestation of his love was that he gave his life. No greater love than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. But Jesus took it a further. He took it. He laid his life down not only for his friends, but all the world, even his enemies. Come on. He died for the sins of the whole world. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. God was reconciling every human being to himself. He paid the price. Jesus paid the full price for sin's penalty. Jesus paid the full penalty. And now God has reconciled all the world to himself. So he says anyone, whosoever will, let him come and take of the waters of life freely. He said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a free gift. Eternal life is a free gift. Life in Christ is a free gift. So you don't have to earn it. You don't have to deserve it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to be good enough to get it. No, everybody and anybody 
Hallelujah. Anybody can. Hallelujah. Anybody can call on the name of Jesus. Anybody can be saved. Anybody can receive this water of life freely as a free gift from God the Father. No one is left out. No one. No one. I said no one is left out. Anybody can. Whosoever will, let him come. Whosoever Whosoever means me, whosoever means you, whosoever means anybody you meet. Glory to God. So God redeemed the whole world, reconciled the whole world to himself. God was in Christ hugging the world to himself. God didn't leave anybody out when he sent his son Jesus. So the proof of his love is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that his son would die on a cross, shed his blood, give his life, die in your place, and pay the full price for your sin, my sin, and the whole world's sin. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. I said, Jesus paid it all. Glory to God. And if he paid it all, you can't pay your way in. You don't need to pay anything. You just need to believe and receive. Hallelujah. Your buy-in is simply believe and receive the love of God that he has towards you, that he's proven. Hallelujah. He's proven by his own son's death. He's proven his love. And he loved you like he loved his son. Woo! That is love. And then he left the body of Christ here to show that Jesus really did come. And the body of Christ living as one. Living in unity, living as one in Christ is a testimony to the world. Hallelujah to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now we're going to go to Revelation. Revelation 22. Revelation 22. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Somebody just go ahead and praise the Lord for a moment. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We're in verse 16. And I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. Jesus sent an angel to testify in the churches. Revelation. He said, I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. I am the root and the offspring of David. The root and the offspring of David. So, he's the root of David but he's the offspring. The root goes all the way back to Abraham. God made a covenant with Abraham, cut covenant with Abraham, made covenant with Abraham. So Jesus was the root of that covenant. In other words, there's no connection with God except through Jesus. 
Hallelujah. Jesus declared himself to be the way, the truth, the life. He said, I am the way, the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say, I'm a way, a truth, a life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus Christ is the root. So he preexisted with the Father. Jesus is God. He was God in heaven. He came to this earth, and he was God manifest in the flesh. He was the I am as well as God the Father. He was I am. He said in the book of Revelation, I am the first and the last. Hallelujah. He said, I am the beginning and the ending. I am. Glory to God. He is. He is the great I am. He was God manifest in the flesh. Jesus was God come in the flesh through the virgin birth, that supernatural birth. The Holy Spirit overshadowed the womb of Mary. She conceived in her womb and gave birth to her son. So now she is, he is also the seed of David. In other words, he came through the lineage of David. And so now... Jesus is a root of this whole thing. He's the beginning of this whole thing. But he's not only the beginning, he's the end. Praise God. He's the first and the last, the beginning and the end. So Jesus is the root. Well, roots have branches. Hallelujah. Let's go to Romans 11. Hallelujah. Romans 11, we're going to verse 16. Jesus is Lord. Verse 16, for if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. If the root be holy, so are the branches. So Jesus is the root, and we are the branches. If the root is holy, then so are the branches. Why? Because the branches share in his life. You are in union with Christ. You're joined to Christ. Just like abiding in the vine. Now he uses the... Uh, the illustration of a root. And he says the root is holy. And he says then the branches are also holy. Ephesians 4.24 says, put on the new man, this new creation man, in, who is created in righteousness and what? True holiness. True holiness is holiness that comes from God. God puts holiness on the inside of you, just like he puts righteousness inside of you, just like he puts life inside of you, just like he puts joy inside of you. Holiness came on the inside of you, but holiness can be worked out just like life can be worked out. In other words, it can come out of you. It can be on you. Just like love can be in you, but it can be on you. So then the Holy Spirit can be in you, but he can be on you. So God wants it not only to be in us, but to be on us. Yeah. 
So he said, the root is holy, and so are the branches holy. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, and with them partakes of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. He says, some of the branches broken off, but you as a wild olive were grafted in. He's really talking about Israel. And now we are grafted into the root. Covenant. We're children of Abraham by covenant. Are you with me? So we're children of Abraham by covenant, but Jesus was ratifying the ratifying of that covenant. Abraham shed blood, but now Jesus shed his blood. God cut covenant and made a covenant with Abraham, but it included Jesus Christ and his death and his blood shed and his resurrection. Hallelujah. Jesus is the resurrected one. He is the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, Abraham was willing to offer Isaac, but God provided a ram. Hallelujah. But God also provided a lamb. He was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. In other words, God had a plan, but he needed man to agree with him. He needed somebody to believe in him, somebody to agree with him in order to make a covenant with man. And God has made covenant with man. And Jesus was the God-man. He was God manifest in the flesh. He was a man, and yet he was God. And he died on the cross for us and shed his blood for us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And then through that death and through that resurrection, we are grafted in to the olive tree. If you go to Israel, been there many times, and you go to the garden where Jesus prayed, Jesus prayed probably under that same tree because it's over 2,000 years old. It's an olive tree, over 2,000 years old. You can see that the outside is like tree after tree comes. It's kind of somewhat hollowed out, and more branches are coming out. So it's like it never ends. And Jesus is that root that never ends. He said, I am the root. (laughs) He is the one who has endless life. And what he did for you and me is gave us through Christ endless life, eternal life, the life of God and the life of eternity, the life that will take you to heaven, praise God. And in heaven, you'll live for eternity, praise the Lord, in his presence. The scripture says in his presence, there's fullness of joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just watched uh, a part of a man who had died physically, died physically, and he went to heaven. And he was there for about an hour and a half. But one of the things he said was that he was going to see, it's, he, he wanted to go see Jesus. He was in heaven. And people started saying, he's going to see the king. He's the king of kings. He's going to see the king. 
So when he got closer to Jesus, he said he fell down on his hands and knees and he actually crawled up to Jesus. And when he crawled up to Jesus, he saw his feet. He said they were like brass, but they still had the holes in his feet. And he said his feet were loving him. It was like love was just coming out of his feet into him. He then later saw him standing up. He said he still bore the stripes on his back. So the holes in his feet and his hands, stripes on his back, eternally the only one who could bear the sin of many. Of mankind, the Lamb of God that was slain. Who is worthy to take the book? The cry is in heaven. Who is worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof? The only one worthy was the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. And love, he said, just came out of him. He's just so full of love, it just came right out of him, into him. Jesus, God so loved the world that he gave. Jesus loved the world, and he gave. He left it all on the table, so to speak. Verse 18, boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. In other words, God is the one that's bearing you. He's able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Joy. So, your faith is your grip on God, but grace is God's grip on you. And his grip on you is greater than your grip on him. It's like taking a child's hand and walking them across the street. Your grip on them is greater than their grip on you. God's grip on you is greater than your grip on him. Hallelujah. God is with you. God is in you, God is for you, and God loves you.